This is Pound in Victory. Well, we certainly want to welcome everybody tuning in today to the podcast. We had a good time last week, but I want to start out tonight by uh, telling you how much I appreciated the fact that as we were looking at Scripture last week in John chapter 3, that you stepped in and you uh, mentioned John 3.16. And I thought that was a very timely thing to do. You know, I wasn't planning it, but it really worked out well. I just wanted to thank you for that. It was very well pointed out that so many people take that particular scripture and use it so often pertaining to their salvation. And uh, you never do hear them talk about the first part of the chapter. Right. And we pointed out that day that if you're going to believe, you got to understand what you're believing. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't read that entire first part of the chapter, you really don't have anything to believe other than the fact that Jesus exists yep. and that he went to the cross and died. But there were specific instructions from the one that went to the cross mm-hmm. on what we were supposed to do. So I really appreciated that being point, pointed out. You know, people needed to hear that. And today I was thinking about, you know, when I gave my life to Christ, it was um, it was a, a very needful thing at the time. Anytime somebody gets saved, it's needful. But uh, I'm talking in a particular way, you know, that so many things are going bad in life in every direction. And I I needed that at that moment there is a song that we sing sometimes in church you know there's a line in it that and he saved me just in time mm-hmm. um when we sing that song i really take it to heart because you know we, nobody knows what the next day holds but we uh we have to pay attention to that fact we can be prepared in many ways for the next time the next day but spiritually most people aren't. They've got to get ready for it. When I when I gave my life to Christ, it almost looks like a struggle, but it's not. It's when I started making the first move to Christ, actually getting physically up and moving toward Him. Mm-hmm. When I looked around and I seen so many difficulties on with myself, the family, uh, extended family, with people in general, you know, with the struggles they were going through, <clears throat> and I had said within myself, you know, if there be a God, he could not have planned for life to be the way it was for everybody that was struggling. And when I made my way to him, it it wasn't a quick, you know, prayer and being done. It was a time involved of repentance and trying to get in the right position, I guess I'd say, for something to happen. People have to position themselves Mm -hmm. for God to get to them. You know, I know that people think, you know, God will chase them down. But he's already done everything he has to do. So it's really a matter of us chasing him down <laughs> because he's, he's done the work. And today I, I, I would like to re- read some scripture and uh, go from there. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, I want to use the King James Bible because I was earlier today I was looking at the same scriptures in a different Bible and they did some rewording in it that really uh, really took it away from the uh, true effect of what God was trying to say. And 
I want to go to the second chapter of the book of Acts. Most of the most of the New Testament was the views of Paul, the Apostle Paul. Mm-hmm. And when uh, Paul came to Christ, he was not with the disciples in the beginning. He didn't walk with Jesus like the others. He came after that and after the resurrection. So he didn't walk with Jesus in the physical, but yet it wasn't Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John that wrote the epistles. It was Paul. What you have to see is what God was looking at when he was looking at Jesus. He had a mission for him. He had to walk out that path of salvation for us, mark the way. When Paul started speaking, he was speaking of um, not the outward appearance of Jesus, like we've seen in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What we see when Paul speaks, we see the inward workings of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Now, that's very important. So I heard one man put it this way. You've seen the photograph of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you've seen the x-ray of Jesus through Paul's writings from the inside. And his writings are all based that way. So when we read in uh, Acts chapter 2, I would like to start out with the first eight verses. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And hear how every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? When the day of Pentecost came, that's where Christ was starting the church. That was the beginning of it right there. And if you pay attention to what the Scriptures read, and that's why I'm so adamant about people reading the King James, is because some Bibles take certain things out. When they were in that upper room, the power of God came because there was a promise made. Jesus said, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to send back a comforter to be with you and in you. Mm-hmm. And that's the day it began, at the day of Pentecost. And that power came in like a mighty rushing wind into the room. And we had read John chapter 3. And in John chapter 3, it gave explanation that the Holy Spirit's like the wind. You'll see it, the effects of it. You'll see the wind blowing, like you'll see leaves blowing off of trees and, you know, trash blowing down the street and things like that. But you don't see the wind itself, but you see the effects of it. Mm-hmm. So in Acts 2, it said a rushing mighty wind came in. You couldn't see it, but you could feel the effects of it coming into the room. Mm-hmm. Then it said cloven tongues of fire sat upon every one of them. And God is also represented by fire through the Bible just like he appeared Moses and he came in a burning bush. Mm-hmm. The, the Bible talks a lot of times about God being fire. So here he is. The wind came in. The fire came in. 
cloven tongues of fire set upon each one of them, representing the Holy Spirit. And then it said they all began to speak in other tongues. And when I'm doing private classes with people for Bible study, uh, you know, in baptism, uh, in many different ways, um, you know, teaching people, this is one of the times that I tell them, I want you to highlight, I want you to put arrows to, and remind yourself that all of them began to speak in other tongues. Not a few of them. There was no exceptions. Every single one of them, it says, began to speak in other tongues. All of them. Now, that's important because there's a lot of people today that try to disqualify certain things in the Bible, saying they ended with the disciples when they passed away. But yet there's never closing on that book, on the Bible in the book of Acts. It's an open book because he said, these promises are to you, your children, and to people as far off as the Lord is calling. And he's still calling people today. So in the beginning, we look at the fact that he told them to go tarry there until they were endued with power from on high. He told them that in, in uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Mm-hmm. Now they're in that upper room, and this takes place. And it's a powerful, powerful moment that people have to give their full attention to. You can't, you can't uh, jump around the Bible. You try to keep things in order. And with this one, we read the beginning of the act of God coming to possess people with the Holy Ghost mm-hmm. and power. In the, in the Amplified Bible, it says that when you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive an ability uh, and, and efficiency and power when you get it. And that's what Jesus set up here. Now, I want to jump down from that, and I want to go to, I believe, verse 35 would be a good place to start in the same chapter, Acts chapter 2, verse 35. Until I make thy foes thy footstool, therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. All right. Now, when Peter and John and the rest of them, the apostles, they were in that upper room. Mm -hmm. Jesus' mother was up in that upper room. There's uh, 120 people that got sent there. The 120 represent all the tribes of Israel that were spread out throughout the world. That's why the number was the number it was. And they're all up there, and they had this happen. Now, for a basis of people that don't, don't read this and they haven't understood it, the time was uh, the celebration of Pentecost, and that's why it's called the Pentecostal experience. And, and when... All these people were gathered in, in in town that day. There was thousands of them, thousands. And the city was packed from people all over the world. And here they are up there. And try to visualize them being in an upper room. And n- n- they probably didn't have nice Anderson glass windows up there. You know, they, they open windows. So when they were up there, they started speaking in other tongues. And people from outside around the building, they could hear them. And at one point, somebody said they thought they were up there drunk on alcohol. And other people standing there said, no, that can't be because it's not a legal time to drink. So that can't be what's happening. 
But they heard people speaking up there in tongues from all over the world. And that was because of the power of the Holy Spirit. It was a witness. The Bible says that speaking in tongues is a witness for unbelievers to see the workings of God happening. Mm -hmm. And they're up in that upper room and all this had taken place. But when they came down and they came out of there, then the, you know, they started questioning them. All right. Um, and at that point, you're going to begin to read again. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Now, I like to always point that out to people. All right. When, it, when that statement was made, Peter exhorted people with many other words other than ones we just read. Mm -hmm. Many words. He was encouraging, exhorting people to give their lives to Christ. And he said, now, after exhorting them, he said, go and save yourselves. Save yourself. Mm -hmm. I like to point that out to people because Jesus did everything he could on the cross of Calvary. He died for us. And then when we read earlier in Scripture, he said in John, we, I'm going to re, re, reiterate in, it. And he said that you have to be born again of the water and the spirit to see or enter the kingdom of heaven. Mm -hmm. Here he is, the day of Pentecost, telling people now, they, they were already told in the book of John what to do. Now that they're in the upper room doing it, and when, they, when Peter got done ex exhorting them, he said, now save yourself. Yeah. The instructions have already been given how to save yourself. And to get baptized in water, get filled with the Holy Spirit. I want you to read a couple more verses here. Then they, they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Keep going. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man has had need. And they continue and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meet with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Now, there's a lot of powerful information in that passage you just read, Christina. Mm -hmm. they, they, when they came out of there, there was instructions on how to, how to communicate with the church, mm -hmm. you know, to breaking bread, prayer, you know, fellowship. fellowship. Mm -hmm. And they had to have that for strengthening of the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. those, those instructions still work today. You know, they didn't end with the Bible. Yeah. But what, one of the most powerful things about what you're reading right there and I've got to point this out. I do every time I do a study with people. In verse 47, I want you to read that one more time by itself. Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Right. Okay. Now, when I do that, I ask people to underline or circle the word such. Mm -hmm. And you can go yourselves, when whoever's listening, and go to get a King James Bible, and you can read it. And it'll say such as should be saved. Now, I was reading, uh, I've read that passage many, many times. 
And one day I was reading it, and the Lord quickened it to me, and I read it several times, right, one right after the other. And then finally it hit me, and I opened up the dictionary to look up the word such. The such a, it says uh, the same as, a replica, of, and such a things as that. Mm-hmm. So my, I thought to myself, well, he added to the church daily such as should be saved. Now, at that time, I've read that there was about two and a half million people assembled. Mm-hmm. And then it went on to say, after it stated how many were there, that approximately 120 of them got filled with the Holy Spirit in the upper room. Mm-hmm. And then after that, there was a, another 3,000. Right. It says that. So I'd like to say, when I'm talking to people about this, if I put my um, Bible in the middle of a table and I said, this is the 3,120, mm-hmm. but there's two and a half million there. I try to point that out because 3,120 people getting saved is a lot. Yeah. But this is right after the resurrection of Jesus, the fresh preaching of the apostles that walked with him. Mm-hmm. All that's very exciting. So that riveting power was out there, and 3,120 people got saved. Mm-hmm. So if you put your Bible in the middle of the table and you look at it and say, oh, that group of people got saved, all around the rest of the table, there were people that weren't saved. Verse 47 says, God added to the church daily such as should be saved. Such as what? Such as the one that started the church in the upper room, the 120. Such as them. And then you go back up and you read and you find out they were all repented, baptized, and filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke in other tongues. Now, I've had a lot of people, you know, come at me for saying things like this. And they say, well, you're saying nobody's saved except for the people that do that? I said, no, I'm saying what the Bible's saying. The Bible's saying that. I'm not saying it. The Bible expressly says that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not changing the word of God. That's what I'm not doing. I'm not changing the word. And it says that 120 were in the upper room, got filled with the Holy Spirit, 3,000 more before that day was over. Mm-hmm. Okay? So I'm not saying it. The word of God itself is saying it. And then it says he added to the church daily such as should be saved. Such mm-hmm. as what? Such as the upper room experience. So when people look at that, um, I hope they take it to heart. Now, when people question me about that, I'm not saying that God doesn't save in any other way. He's God. He can do whatever he wants. Right. But with most things in life, you get a book of instructions on what to do. The thing that, you know, I'm, I really, from my heart, want people to understand is that God knew exactly what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And he gave the instructions. You know, when, when Peter... Um, gave Jesus an answer. There's a place in Scripture where Jesus turned to his disciples when they were all together, and he said to them, who do people say that I am? And they had a couple of different answers. You know, one thought he was Isaiah resurrected, another one Jeremiah, mm-hmm. you know, and they had different ideas. But then he, he turned around right to Peter, and he said, Peter, who do you say that I am? And Jesus said, uh, Peter said to Jesus, he said, you're the Christ of God, enrobed yeah. in the flesh. Well, Christ means anointing, the anointed. Mm-hmm. So he said, Peter's saying to him, you're the anointing of God robed in flesh. 
And Jesus said to him, no man has told you that. You had to hear that from the Father above. Mm-hmm. And that was a revelation that you just got. And then he told Peter, upon that revelation that you got of who I am, he said, I'm going to build a church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when, when we keep Scripture to Scripture, he's saying that we need that baptism, that power, just like Christ had. Mm-hmm. He, he, Jesus had that anointing, and that's what we have to have also. Now, I'm speaking for myself right now. When I, when I wanted to come to Christ, and there were so many issues in life, so many terrible things going on, mm-hmm. I finally recognized that it wasn't working the way life was. And I've heard people say, well, you know, that one of the meanings of uh, insanity is to keep doing the exact same thing you always do and expect a different answer. Yep. And when that's what life is like, really, when when you want something better and you just keep repeating yourself, you're not going to get it any better. So I, I made a move toward Christ. It happened to be a house meeting mm-hmm. that we were having, house meetings. And there was only possibly nine people on a, a given day that we came together. And my wife happened to be playing the organ all the time. Mm-hmm. And then we'd have the ministering and uh, just a handful of people. But I made a move toward God and said, I want him more than anything. Mm-hmm. Because of the way things are going, so many problems, I said, it, it, got, it got to the point that it, repetitiously I'm going to the altar. And here we are, about nine people assembled in a house. And it was kind of wild and crazy because I built a really nice pulpit for them to have it, having church in their house. Mm-hmm. And they didn't put any furniture in there. It was just folding chairs in the living room area. And I built that uh, pulpit with the idea in my head that, you know, it was some work I did to get my way there to God, you know. <laughs> Silly but true. Mm-hmm. And only to find myself curling up in a ball in front of it on the floor crying many times and crying out to God. And I wanted that baptism so bad, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the minister at that time was ministering like he was in front of a thousand people. And he'd put an altar call out to come for prayer. And I believe I was the only person in the room that had not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he did the altar call like he's waiting for 500 of the 1,000 to come. Mm-hmm. He'd do services, and after a while, he started backing services back to back, and he'd have a Sunday morning and a Sunday night service. Then he'd have a Wednesday night and a Friday night. And it was all trying to get me to come to the filling of the Holy Spirit. Right. And night after night after night, I'd go and I'd just, you know, pray and pray and pray and just cry out to God. I wanted that baptism one night in particular, I was, I was so hungry for it, you know, and I was curled up on a ball on the floor after a while, and I couldn't cry anymore. There was no tears left to come out, and I was just laying there groaning, and God spoke to me, and he said, crucify the old man, mm-hmm. and probably the only book, the Bible the reading that I was doing prior to that was Romans 6. I read that and read that and read that. And when that hit me that night and the Lord said, crucify the old man, 
I knew exactly what he wanted me to do. So it was like 1 or one thirty in the morning, and I turned to the pastor, and I said, I have to be baptized. Oh, he got so happy. And he went right out the next day to a store and bought a watering tank for cattle. Like a stock tank. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he brought it into his house and put it in the basement and filled it up with water. So the very next service, it was ready to go. Mm -hmm. And I had waited so long, you know, and crying out to God, crying out to God. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying, necessarily saying that people have to do that. But I also believe that scriptures that you just read in Acts 2, when he told the 120 to go to that upper room and tarry there until they were endued with power from on high, I believe that there's a lot of people that don't go through a process of cleansing their soul. Mm-hmm repenting and crying out to God. There's a, a time of a cleansing that has to take place. And if people do that, they receive a whole lot more. Mm-hmm. And you don't see that much nowadays. You know, people don't even seem to have a hunger for that. Uh, so when I, when I come to that point, I got baptized in water but the Bible makes it so clear, so crystal clear that, you know, John the Baptist came, that was his job, to open up the door, the pathway. He was the forerunner for Christ. And he started baptizing people with the baptism of repentance mm-hmm. to get rid of all your sins. When you see John in his baptism, it, it was it's interesting. We'd have to do a whole chapter to, to read to get this clarified. But... Uh, you can do it on your own. You can go to Luke chapter 1 and start reading there. And it talks about Luke, uh, John's baptism because in his, in his mother's womb, John got filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Jesus didn't. None of the apostles did. But John the Baptist got baptized in the womb. And then after, just before the birth, it stated that his mother was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now that was done before the resurrection of Christ. So that was the only baptism of the Holy Spirit that took place prior to the death, burial, and resurrection. Now, when John set up that path, he had the boldness to come and declare to the world they had to repent of their sins Mm -hmm. and make a way for God to come. And that's powerful. If people don't do that, you know, what path do they have? He said, make straight the way for the Messiah that's coming. So when people would say something to him, he'd make it clear. He'd say to them, it's not me, the one you need. You need the water baptism, but it's the one coming after me that you need. Because he's going to baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire. And that's where a lot of people fall short of what they're really looking for, Mm -hmm. if they don't follow through with this. But I'm going to say this, that earlier today, when I was reading the scriptures, I was reading out of a different Bible. I happened to be reading out of the ESV at that time. Mm-hmm. And my King James was downstairs. So instead of going down there, I was just reading out of the ESV. And that verse 47 was rewritten. I want you to read that again if you could. Would you do that for me? Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Yeah. Okay. Now, that's the, the verse I'm talking about here is verse 47. Mm-hmm. In the ESV, it said that he's those that were being saved. Yep. Okay. The King James said, such as should be saved. 
Yeah. You see the difference in the wording? Mm -hmm. There's a lot. So when Jesus seen exactly what he wanted people doing, he said, such as those he wants saved. That Bible took it and changed it to those that are being saved. Yeah. And they, and they didn't put it in there and connect 47 with what just happened. Mm-hmm. All right. And that's how different doctrines get started. Right. So when Jesus is so clear about it, exactly who he wants saved and what he was doing to get them and saved. And how, yeah. Yeah. And, and then people changed a little bit of wording in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Change the whole effect of it, right? All right. So because when just people just look at John three sixteen and they say they believe in their heart and confess with their mouth Jesus, then they're saved, and they skipped all the first three chapters and they're skipping what's going on here. But there's there's so much missing from people's lives mm -hmm. when they cut things short, right? You know, they're in a fast food life, you know. And, you know, even a fast food place now isn't fast enough for people. You know, a lot of angry people go through McDonald's and Burger King and everything else because the food's not fast enough for them. Mm -hmm. And they're blowing their horns and hollering at people because they're not quick enough to get their food out to them. See, the, the Apostle Paul had insight that other people didn't have. And we've got to pay a lot of attention to that mm -hmm. because, you know, if God found him worthy to write most of that New Testament Bible it's worthy of us to spend time reading what he says. When we get into the second chapter of Acts there, I think it's very uh, unique the way God handles everything mm -hmm. and put it together. That, you know, even to the instructions of breaking bread together, praying together, you know, fellowship together. And and it also said daily, you know, that, I mean, it wasn't a once a week or a once a month thing that people did. And, you know, our, our days are almost numbered here in the United States, mm -hmm. to be honest with you, because in other countries, if people serve Christ, they can be beheaded now, today, if they bring up the name of Christ. And they'll die for it. I had a guy uh, I spent some time with today at the church, and he doesn't go to our church. He came out there to work on a furnace. Mm -hmm. But... Well, as we were talking, um, you know, I was sharing with him that, you know, these people in these other countries, you know, when ISIS came around, that was a good sign that, you know, we're a blessed people in this country because there are somebody, somebody, some of these people are getting shot and killed now for confessing their faith in Christ. But in other countries, it's rampant and when they first started really hitting here a few years ago, there was a line of Christian people that got lined up side by side. They were on their knees. Mm -hmm. They were uh, handcuffed, and they were tied together with a chain around their necks. And they had each one of them had an explosive around their necks. Mm -hmm. And just for confessing Christ, they had an explosive on them and a charger on it, and... They just hit that charger and took their heads completely off. Mm -hmm. Now, the government seen the, the recordings of it, and the government said that they could see them clearly, all the, all the people that were down on their knees chained together with explosives on them. Before they did that, they could see them praying 
and they could interpret what they were praying. And they were praying that God would see mercy on these people that were about to kill him. Mm-hmm. Jesus, when he hung on the cross, one of the last things he said before he died was, Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. Mm-hmm. These people, you know, and it was uh, like two years ago when this took place, you know, in 2021. Hmm. They, they were having an experience, and here they are looking at dying any second, and they're praying for the people that are about to kill them. They took a bunch of other Christians, and they put them in a cage, took a, a, a backhoe, and they were lowering the cage into water to drown them. Mm-hmm. And they filmed the whole thing, and they put it out to the public to see. Well, when the government got a hold of that, they did the same thing, and they seen all these people praying that were going down into the water. They weren't shouting. They weren't screaming. They weren't pleading for help. Nothing like that. But they were praying for the people that are about to kill them. And they were asking God to forgive them and mm-hmm. have mercy on their souls. And same thing Jesus did at the cross. So when the power of the Holy Ghost, wants a, God wants that in people, there's a reason for it. Persecution, the Bible talks about it a lot. And if you give your life to Christ, there's going to be persecution. But the Apostle Paul let us know that there's no persecution in this world that would trump what God has done for us. Because we're short-time livers here on the world, in the world, but our, our flesh is going to be dying, but we can live for eternity with him. And it's powerfully important for people to understand exactly what's going on, you know, with Christ's mercy and making a way for us, even mm-hmm. after this flesh is gone, that we're, we're going to be his, you know. And when you see that happening with, you know, these people that I just talked about, that here in the United States, we, we have been blessed up to this point that we don't see it radically happening. And that's not to say there won't be a day it does, because uh, the Bible says it will. But so far, we've been protected with the laws of our land and, and uh, the way the government's set up. But, you know, the Holy Spirit, when I finally got baptized in it, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, the life experience was tremendous. The change was out of this world. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's even hard to put into words what, what took place. To wrap today up, um, I mean, I'm going to say this, that, again, there's instruction books for everything, manuals of how to handle everything in life. And we have one. Mm-hmm. And the manual tells us exactly what Jesus wants. He wants us one with him as he was one with the Father. So it's due time that everybody reads the book, mm-hmm. take the instructions, and get as close to God as you can. Yeah. God bless you.